Perverted, brought to you by Sputnik Africa. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Victor Anakin, and you're listening to Afro Verdict. So, many people love salmon not only for its taste, but also for the unique pinkish color it has. But is the appearance the only advantage of this color? Today, I'm joined by Osman Kanwugo, a Ghanaian researcher and PhD candidate at the Ural Federal University, who walks us through his research of astaxanthin, the very molecule that gives prawns, salmon, and other marine animals the pinkish color. He explains the medical benefits of the substance and gives us his outlook on life. Osman, good morning. Could you please introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit about your background? Thank you very much, Victor. Like Victor said, I'm Osman and I'm very happy to, to be here and to have this interview. So originally I'm from Ghana, the, the northern part of Ghana to be precise. It's I'm from like a kind of small village in the northeastern part of Ghana, right? So this, the administrative region is close to like, like uh, I think Burkina Faso towards the north and mm-hmm. then Togo towards the east. Yeah, so it's like very close to the, the border areas. But yeah, my village is not actually at the border area. My village is somewhere in the middle. But I grew up entirely in a different city. Maybe it's like a, a big town, also in the northern part of, of Ghana, but in a different administrative region. It's called Tamale. I spent most of my life in this particular region. I had my early education, like primary education, and then my junior high education in this in this region. Then I moved to my home region for my high school education and then to university in Ghana. So I did my bachelor's also in, in Ghana in biochemistry at the University for Development Studies. Then I did a little bit of work as a research assistant for two years. And then I continued my studies with Orafidra University for my master's degree in biotechnology. And now I'm into my PhD, uh, the last last stages of my PhD, actually. So hopefully I, I will wrap up this PhD this year. Yeah. Thank you very much. And tell us, why was Russia your location choice for your master's degree? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's quite an interesting story, <laughs> to be honest. So, yeah, when I finished my bachelor's, like I said, I, I worked for like two years as a research assistant in the, the medical school of my former university, University for Development Studies. And during this time, I got like used to medical research and I kind of fell in love with like microbiology and immunology. So, yeah, actually, biotechnology was not like my first choice when I was looking for a master's program. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was looking for a master's program more in microbiology or immunology or molecular biology, something like this. But around the same time, my cousin was also in uh, Urfu. He was also doing his master's program. Then he, I think they were like the second batch of students for this particular program, biotechnology. So he told me about this biotechnology program and very how interesting it is. So I listened to him and did a little bit of research on, on the city and there were like very good reviews. And some of the international students also gave very good recommendations about like Urfu and the course looked seemed very interesting. So I decided to to give it a try. And yeah, that was how I ended up in, in Russia in the first place. And I must admit, uh, it has been very good so far. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I, I took that decision. Yeah, sure, sure. And tell us, what is your research focus on? 
So, like I said, my my research background kind of started with like medical research. So whilst spending my time as a research assistant after my bachelor's, I kind of got acquainted with um, research related to human health and diseases. And I really liked it very much because like it kind of gives you the feel like you are doing something positive. So when I didn't get like um, the opportunity to be able to do my, my master's in a related field like molecular biology or, or molecular medicine or say immunology, when I got to Urufu and I got a supervisor, then she was like, okay, so the, here's what we do. We have like microbiology. Like I'm like, oh, that's good. Like microbial biotechnology. I'm like, okay, that's good. Uh, so I thought, what can I do? How, how, how can I be like make some impact or just use that? And though I'm not able to do something related to like medicine or human health, how can I like find a common ground in this area? So by then they also had like um, a, a small project already going on before about um, astaxanthin. It's like a, a bioactive substance. So yeah, so once the, she, she starts to mention this, I kind of got intrigued about it because I felt like, yeah, um, when you do some research about like bioactive substances, it's also like very close to human health because these bioactive substances kind of um, can be used to cure some diseases or improve human health. So once she started speaking about these, I kind of like felt like, yeah, okay, this is something I, I want to do. And uh, it looks very interesting to, to be able to produce substances that can actually improve human health. And uh, yeah, so I get took it up and it's it's been amazing so far so yeah the project was i think was dormant and uh over the years i think now in urfu especially when you mention like a student thing i think maybe the first person that would come to mind is me (laughs) wow yeah because i've done like the research over and over and i like participated in a number of like scientific conferences and always shared like uh, the whole thing about astaxanthin and how we produce it and stuff like that yeah so it's been an interesting journey so far so yeah that's how i i, I ended up in uh say biotechnology mm-hmm. for the production of like, biologically active substances cool yeah sounds like you've made quite a name for yourself conquering russia slow and steady <laughs> And among your numerous publications that we've seen, a large part is related to research into the effects of astaxanthin. Could you explain to a wider audience what astaxanthin is, where it's used, and for what purpose exactly? Oh, yeah. So let's say I'm sure most of your listeners would have, uh, I mean, I I think a lot of them are not vegans, maybe. Uh, I might be wrong, but some of them, let me, let me just say, uh, no salmon, mm-hmm. this fish called salmon. And uh, when you buy salmon, it has a very distinct color, which is pink, sometimes yeah. oranges. Um, the same applies to shrimps as well. They have this oranges uh, color. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's uh, from as a result of accumulation of this substance called astaxanthin. So astaxanthin, in the technical terms, uh, it's a carotenoid. More specifically, it's a ketocarotenoid. That is um, like a derivative of beta carotene. Beta carotene is found in carrots. So the, the, it's the pigment that is responsible for the orange color of carotenes. But astaxanthin is different from this. It's kind of like a, an oxygenated derivative of beta carotene. And it's found in uh, mostly, say, marine organisms like, like salmon, like uh, shrimps, like lobsters. But the unfortunate thing is that these um, substances or these animals do not produce astaxanthin. They're just accumulated by feeding on some other um, stuff in within in, in the sea. 
for to to get this astaxanthin and then they accumulated so traditionally i think since it, it was discovered somewhere in the 1970s or even late before that traditionally it's been used as a pigment in aquaculture so it's like for example when we have the the fishes in in the wild they kind of have access to some microorganisms that produces astaxanthin so they eat them and then they get the very nice color right but when you do aquaculture you kind of farm the fish you quarantine them right so uh, and people still want salmon or or shrimps that have this very nice color. I'm sure none of your listeners would like to go and buy salmon that is white. <laughs> I'm sure people yeah, like no, uh, all this salmon is spoiled or is bad or something like that. Yeah. yeah so definitely. yeah, people have gotten used to kind of like relating the color of salmon with the quality of it. Yeah. So when aquaculture began to be like a big industry uh people began to add like astaxanthin in the, the 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 feed of fish so that it gives the the fish this very nice color and then um gives it like a very high value in terms of its quality when it's been sold its, it's economic value but um i think over the past two decades or so several research have actually shown that uh, beyond just the pigmenting ability of astaxanthin it's uh, has a lot of biological activities so it's it's able to kind of like uh, scavenge free radicals so that's to say it has like some antioxidant properties uh, some research research have shown that it has some uh, neuroprotective properties it has skin rejuvenating properties um, it's good for the eyes and stuff like this and and so yeah so over the years a lot of industries have gotten interested in the use of astaxanthin so now I mean, there is a growing industry in terms of like nutraceuticals. So you find these small, um, how to say, nutrient supplements that contain astaxanthin, or they are being sold in the markets in like in fish oil. So they are like something in the market, and also because of its um, skin rejuvenating properties and its ability to protect your skin against uh, free radicals, it's being used in cosmetics as well. To, to kind of serve like, like a very good, um, to give your skin a very rejuvenating feel and to protect you against maybe some UV lights and stuff like that. And yes, and then people are also using it these days in poultry farming because they want to give the egg yolk some distinct color as well, just like they use it in the mm. fish farming. Now people are beginning to use it in the poultry farming as well. And also in other animal farming because it's, Gives just like it gives human very positive effects. All this uh, activity I spoke about: the antioxidant activity, the anti-inflammatory activity, the neuroprotective activity, and several other activities. So it it confers these properties also in animals. So people began to use it also in animals. And I think yeah, there was a research I saw that says that it it boosts like the the reproduction of animals as well. So yeah, people are using it for several reasons. So yeah, so currently it's just not used. It's used not only in the aquaculture. It has used in the pharmaceutical industry, the cosmetic industry, the nutraceutical industry, mm-hmm. as well as well as even in the production of like functional food. So yeah, it's also being used these days in in the food industry. Yeah. For those that have just joined us, you're listening to Afro Verdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa. We are here with Osman Kanwugo, a Ghanaian student at the Ural Federal University, who explains to us the medical properties of astaxanthin. You mentioned it has certain antioxidant properties. Yeah. What is the importance of this specific antioxidant for the human body? Uh, yeah, so one of the, I said 
has a lot of properties, but the main property that astaxanthin is like known widely in, in the scientific community is its superior antioxidant properties, right? So when you compare astaxanthin with, say, vitamin C, I'm sure we a lot of people know vitamin C is a very common antioxidant. Yeah, uh, astaxanthin is actually several times stronger in terms of antioxidant capacity times than vitamin C. It's I think somewhere maybe at around hundred mm-hmm. times or even more than uh, times capable wow. than vitamin C. Um, when you compare it also to say vitamin E, which is also another good antioxidant, it's also like several times higher than vitamin C. You compare it to beta carotene, um, this carotenoid in carrot, it's much better in terms of antioxidant property than beta carotene. When you compare it with say lycopene, I mean, lycopene is the the carotenoid in in tomatoes that gives it this very nice reddish color. It's also an antioxidant, but Mm -hmm. I mean, it doesn't stand a chance against uh, astaxanthin. So yeah, astaxanthin is a very uh, powerful antioxidant. Let me just put it simply. And um, because of these antioxidant properties, it's uh, it, it's it's used in um, a lot of conditions because you know a lot of conditions have their roots in oxidative stress. That's to say that you have a situation where you have um, a lot of um, oxidative uh, molecules or free radicals being generated in your body, but your body cannot get rid of all of these. So yeah, and then this might lead to inflammation or something else. So. Astaxanthin actually is used in these areas or in these diseases where, say, oxidative stress and inflammation are the basics of the disease. And actually, it's, it's many of diseases actually have their basis in inflammation and then uh, oxidative stress. And I also like to mention that uh, because of astaxanthin has a very unique structure. I mean, because we are we are speaking on this way, I I can't really depict the structure for you, but it's it's unique structure. It's such a way that it's able to kind of like when it's positioning itself within the membrane, it's able to traverse the membrane. That's to say that it's it crosses the membrane from you know when you look at the cells, they have like membranes, right? And this membrane is like a bilayer, a lipid bilayer that protects whatever is inside. The cell acetylene is able to embed itself mm-hmm. within this membrane, uh, where it kind of protects like these cells from oxidative stress, which are molecules, oxidative molecules on the outside of the cell, as well as oxidative molecules generated within the membrane of the cell. So this is one of the reasons why acetylene is a very good antioxidant. Then the other thing is that acetylene is actually able to also stimulate a very important antioxidant pathway in the human body called the NRF2 pathway. This pathway is basically it's like a, um, a key regulator of the redox metabolism in, in humans, right? And also animals. So it regulates maybe 100 or more enzymes that actually um, have antioxidant properties or have detoxification properties. Yeah. So because of these, astaxanthin is like a very uh, powerful uh, antioxidant uh, in terms of these effects. Yeah. All right. And uh, are there any specific diseases that it can treat? Uh, so for now, I think there are some animal studies that have been done that shows that um, astaxanthin actually give like a very positive effect in terms of in when it's used in diseases like diabetes, uh, some cardiovascular diseases like stroke or some other diseases like say um, arthritis. These are like these are bone dis- like uh, joint disorder like arthritis. Uh, it's also been shown to have positive effect in neuro 
uh, degenerative diseases like uh, like Alzheimer disease or like uh, Parkinson diseases or say uh, stroke that is like cardiovascular disease. Apart from that, it's also been shown that it has very good effects when you use it for your eyes, right? So it has like positive, like protective effect for the eyes as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there are some studies that say it has some anti-cancer properties. But all in all, these are all animal studies, right? These are studies that have been done in animal models. Um, currently, there is there are like um, I think a dozen, yeah, a few dozen uh, human uh, trials that are ongoing. So there are still no results yet of these human trials. So it's hard to say if uh, we have this effect in humans. But the general consensus is that yeah, it gives a very positive benefit to humans in terms of health when we consume it like regularly, like something like this. So, but there is no human studies currently with data to to back this. But yeah, from animal models, yeah, animal models says that it has like a very good benefit in in these diseases like diabetes, in in um, stroke, or in uh, hypertension, or some brain disease. Oh, and yeah, I even forgot to mention that they say that it improves yeah. um, cognitive function as well. So yeah, so these are all possible diseases. Let me put it uh, this way. But mm-hmm. yeah, there are still human studies that are ongoing to to actually prove this. Um, but that said, there are astelantine supplements have been approved. Natural astelantine have been approved in several regions, not in not every place, but it's been approved for sale in several regions. So you you people can like you can buy astelantine supplement online and you you take it. Yeah, but yeah, there's there are still studies ongoing to sh- to see uh, right. how it affects the the human. Yeah, and you mentioned that you can buy active supplements online. What other possible sources yeah. are there of astelantine that people can access easily? So the um, the food sources of astelantine is usually in, uh, say, marine organisms like salmon, right? Like I mentioned earlier on, they add it in the feed of salmon to give it this color, right? And so the salmon accumulates. So there's actually some substantial amount of astelantine in salmons. You can also get them in um, some shrimps also. So, but all these food sources actually depends on if how much astelantine was fed to this sorry, these animals when they were kind of cultivating them. So if they feed them very, like give them enough of this astelantine, you can find very substantial amount of astelantine in these animals, like the salmon, like the, the lobsters, like like the shrimps. Currently, no animal produces astelantine. Astelantine is generally produced by microorganisms, which is like one of the microorganisms like I'm working on currently. It's called um, Fafiarodezyma. It's it's a yeast that produces astelantine de novo. Uh, beside this yeast, there is also an algae that produces astelantine. I mean, there are a couple of algaes, but the, the principal algae that produces astelantine is called uh, Hematococcus pulvieris. And I think, yeah, pe- um, it has it's like a big industry in China. You do, you people like cultivate this algae and um, make a powder out of it and you could you could easily access this this powder. Apart from that, I think there is another study that found that there's some small amount, trace amount of astelantine in the eggs of quail. It's, it's, a, it's a bird, not so common bird. And then um, flamingos as well, but we unfortunately we can't eat flamingos. So, so uh, yeah. Well, that's, that's why they that's why they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, right. that's one of the, that's why one of the reasons it gives it uh, these flamingos, these colors. Yes, you are right. The dietary sources is just like uh, the salmons and the, 
the shrimps and the lobsters that were farmed and fed with astaxanthin. So anything that looks pink, we can eat. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are a lot of pigments out there that look pink, but they are not yeah, astaxanthin. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, is it so you listed like a lot of properties and effects it has on the human body? Uh, including mm-hmm. improving cognitive functions, you know, uh, possible anti-cancer effects, antioxidant, yep. and all of those. Is it possible to become superhuman by consuming astaxanthin? Oh no, I, I, I wouldn't. <laughs> that that's that that is too extreme. I mean, it would improve your health if you take it day to day. It gives you like an over, overall health improvement, but um, not to that to to say it would make you a superhuman where you you go go flying around or, <laughs> or, or go throwing cars around. <laughs> yeah, but the one of the um, the what's the name? One one of the uh the clinical trials that is ongoing in humans is to see if um astaxanthin actually improves exercise recovery. So how when you do go to the gym or something like that, does it improve you to recover diet? Does it help to improve your recovery or something like this? Yeah, but this study is still ongoing, so we, we don't know. So maybe it might help you to recover mm. quickly and then you can go back to the gym and train harder and get more fitter. But yeah, I wouldn't say it will make you a superhuman. <laughs> <laughs> Osman, since you are like one of the pioneering researchers in astaxanthin, would you consider it a superfood like kale, for example? So, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, well... It's good of you to say I'm a pioneer, but I'm still like a, a, a very uh, young researcher in this field. Uh, there, there are a lot of uh, senior colleagues in, in this field. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I think, yeah, I still think, like I mentioned, it's used currently in um, in foods to make it functional. So these are like functional foods. I mean, maybe your, most of your listeners would know what functional foods are. These are kind of foods where people like fortify them to give like some extra benefits, right? So yes. Astaxanthin in this regard, yes, can serve as like a functional food or can be used as um, part of making a functional food. Yes. So yeah, in, in this regard, yes, definitely. And tell our listeners what exactly inspired you to study the effects of astaxanthin. Like I said, I wanted to find research where I I still feel connected to the, um, the medical sector, right, where mm-hmm. I still contribute to the health of people, right? So, yeah, so I kind of found out that astaxanthin has all these amazing effects. But the only problem is that um, currently more than 90% of astaxanthin that is currently available on the market, it's chemically synthesized. And this chemically synthesized astaxanthin is limited only for use in animal feeds. So you can, humans cannot consume directly this chemically synthesized astaxanthin. So there is growing interest to produce astaxanthin naturally for, for humans to be able to get easy access to, to it, like in terms of like supplements or in terms of like functional foods. And there is a drawback to this as well, because the current production of natural astaxanthin is very expensive, right? So say, for example, it costs just like um, maybe 1,000 US dollars to produce one kilogram of astaxanthin by chemical synthesis, right? Wow. It, it costs like maybe $3,000 to $7,000 to produce natural astaxanthin using microorganisms. So that's like maybe mm. at least three times more than yeah. chemical synthesis. So it's very expensive currently. So yeah, my project when I started initially is to try to, to, to see how I can... Um, improve the production of astaxanthin in uh, Fafiero Dozyma, which is a yeast with, uh, which I work with. 
um, by maybe just doing some mutation or improving the media content to see if it produces more astronauting stuff like that. So that was how come I got into astronauting to to try to to help produce it very cheaply and easily. So my project it's it's centered around developing um, a strategy or let's say a media. Um, growth media where you can grow these organisms on waste substances from the industries, right? So you grow them on waste substances. These waste substances are very cheap. So that means that your production costs will come down, your cost for raw materials will come down, right? And then that would, that would at, at least reduce the, the price of the final product. That's one phase of it. And the other phase is if I'm able to improve the amount of astronauts that is produced by the yeast itself, that means that with one batch of of process, you can produce more astronomy, which um, further reduces reduces the the price. But um, yeah, so I would like to mention also that yeah, so that was the initial motivation. But then now uh, my research is broadly uh, split in two. One of it is uh, like biovolarization. So say to convert waste materials like some industrial waste, say maybe molasses from the sugar industry or molasses from the soya industry or say maybe residual uh, yeast from the brewery industry. These are waste. So how do I convert this waste into something valuable? And yeah, so that's one part of the work. So that is like, how do I convert the waste to something valuable? The other part of the work is um, about not just astronauting, but trying to see if maybe there are other interesting molecules found in microorganisms that maybe I would be able to produce or improve the production in, in this way by growing them on some cheap media sources as well. So yeah, so yeah, my focus started with astronauting, but now it's a little bit broader going forward. Hopefully maybe yeah, I'll find some other interesting stuff. Yeah, I hope so too, man, because uh, yeah. judging by your spirit, it seems that you're very, very focused on uh, doing research that can genuinely help the human population. And yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yes, actually one of my, speaking, my goals. You know? Yeah, speaking of that, tell us about your personal mission and vision in life. Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, my, I would like to, to contribute to um, the human health in general to try to produce, like I said, some bioactive substances, right? To try to identify some molecules in nature that can help improve the human overall health in general or that can help contribute to treating some diseases. I mean, um, nature is a very wonderful place. There are a lot of things you find in nature, but the thing is that we know very little about nature. We think now we know a lot, but if you compare it to what is actually in nature, we know very little. So there are still a lot of things to discover in nature. So one of my hope is that, yeah, to try to, to leverage the natural processes that already happen in nature, right, to identify um more important bioactive substances that can help the human health in general that can help to cure diseases. And then the second part is um, to contribute towards the, the global climate agenda, right? So like I said, I'm trying to convert first waste substances, which from the industry, usually you can just dump it in the landfill or maybe um, maybe through the drainage system. And then yeah, it leads to pollution everywhere and contributes to greenhouse gases and stuff like that. So yeah, so my um, aim is to to do this to to find bioactive substances and try to produce it cheaply by using um, waste materials in this case. So help human health 
and help the environment alongside. Um, speaking about helping um, the environment, my current work here in Sydney, actually, it's a, it's a project which I'm working in collaboration with the research group here, is to engineer a new yeast strain that can produce astaxanthin by using methanol, right? So it uses methanol as the whole of the sole carbon source. And the idea is that once we're able to develop this yeast, we can actually currently there are technologies that converts methane, which it's a very powerful greenhouse gas. I mean, it's even powerful than carbon dioxide. So there are currently methods to convert this methane into methanol. So we can convert this methane, which it's maybe emitted from landfills or from industrial process into methanol and use this methanol to produce astaxanthin, for example. So kind of reduce global warming in, in the process. And with regards to um, other industrial waste like molasses or, or residual yeast, we actually also reduce the environmental burden regarding the disposal of these waste by just converting them to something useful. Yeah, so those are like my two broad goals to, right. to produce bioactive substance as well as to help maintain like the, the or promote the global agenda for for climate change or climate positivity if you want to put it cool yeah that's a that's a really bright outlook on life in my opinion and i think it would do humanity well if more of our youth had the same vision like you to help people and at the same time try save our planet osman thank you for coming today it was a pleasure meeting you and it was really really interesting to engage with you on the miraculous effects of astaxanthin and good luck with your research thank you very much and uh thank you for having me and thank you for your audience Dear listeners, I truly hope you found this information useful. Remember to eat salmon, prawns and lobsters to give yourself a boost of astaxanthin and don't forget to take care of your health in general. Remember that you can listen to our AfroVerdict podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, AfriPods, Podcast Addict and Deezer. Stay healthy, stay safe and until next time. Afro Verdict, brought to you by Sputnik Africa.